Welcome to Solidarity Socialism from Below podcast. I'm your host, Luke Pretz, and each episode we take the time to talk with socialists in the U.S. and abroad about the local struggles they're involved with, the lessons they've learned, and how those local struggles connect to the international movement for socialism. Joining me today is Natalia Chavez. She's an activist in the Brazilian socialist organization Subverda and a participant in Bancada Feminista do Pisol, a collective candidacy in the city of Sao Paulo affiliated with the Brazilian Electoral Party, Partido Socialismo e Liberdade, or PSOL, which translates to Socialism and Liberty Party. In this episode, we're going to do a deep dive into the collective candidacy tactic, what it is, how it works, and the opportunities it presents uh, for socialists. We'll also touch on things like the feminist and queer liberation movements in Brazil, eco-socialism, and anything else that comes up. Welcome, Natalia. I'm excited to talk with you today. How are you doing? Hi, Luke. Um, thank you for the invitation. I'm really happy to be talking to you, all American comrades. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're excited. Um, maybe a good spot for us to start is maybe explaining what exactly is Subverda, and how does it relate to PASOL? Yeah. Um, so, Subverda... So um, I don't know if I should say it in Portuguese or English, because I say it in Portuguese. Either way. <laughs> so, Subverta is uh, a political organization, uh, eco-socialist and libertarian uh, organization. And we are part of PESOL. Um, we treat PESOL as one of our projects. So... We don't intend to be only one tendency of the party and only work on party issues, but we see it um, as one way of acting um, in the reality. So we have some people in the organization that focus more on the party activities and others who uh, who do other things, other projects. Um, and because we know the limits of the institutions, and also because of that, one of our struggles inside PESOL is to make the party more than a tool for uh, our intervention in institutions. Really want to make the party more uh, connected to, to the people, to make Pessola a mass party. And we we are in Pessol because it's the party that is most open to the eco-socialism and debates. And it's the one we think are is closer to one day being eco-socialist. That's that's our one of, of our main goals inside the party is to make the party that one day it's not called socialism and liberty, but equal socialism and liberty. And so since PESOL is a really plural party with many tendencies and group, we, we think we have this space and you've been succeeding, in my opinion. About Subverta, we, as I said, we, we see PESOL as one of our tools to resist to, to have a democratic resistance in this time where mainly now that, that we face um, a 
fascist, I think you could say, presidency with Bolsonaro. Um, so that's one uh, of the ways to resist in this in this society. But also, we we have projects like going to the streets and talking to people. We we take our chairs and tables and and we choose a, a topic. We prepare uh, research and we we go to the streets to to have these political conversations and try to bring this topic from and, and talk from a radical view, even with people that think being radical is being bad or something like that. You also act a lot in in the sense of uniting the forests, the city and the country. So mainly in the perspective of when we read from the Indian, um, I think, in Peru, Bolivia, um, indigenous people, um, that's what we call, that we want to build the society of bem viver in Portuguese, but I think in English you use, you use more the Spanish term, which would be buen vivir. Thank you for that, like, really detailed uh, kind of introduction to what Subverda is uh, and how it relates to Pasal. And I, I think this is, this, these sorts of conversations about Pasal and why I love talking to my Brazilian uh, comrades is because the United States, uh, within the United States, uh, the DSA has kind of emerged as a new socialist vehicle. And, you know, similar to Pasal, it's a place where many different types of socialists have come together to try and build something bigger than themselves um, and also do it in a way that's open uh, to different conversations and democratic. And I think one thing I'd be interested in is is how do you you all in PASOL uh, kind of facilitate the debate and discussion uh, that you've alluded to, whether it's about eco-socialist issues or feminist issues or, or how to deal with the COVID pandemic or whatever. What are some ways that you guys talk and discuss amongst yourselves in a way that is productive? Once I was looking at the DSA website, and I think what would be equivalent to what we have in PESOL is the working groups. So we have, it's because in Portuguese, we call them setorial, so like the sectors. Some topics have their self-organized groups that can write to the Congress of the party when there is a Congress we, we write thesis or um, other contributions. And it's, it's pretty in this, in this sense of self-organization. So if there's the demand, people present the demand to the um, direction of the, of the party and it, it gets official and the, the activities will be pretty much done based on the activists organization i guess so self-organization so we have uh nico socialism I'll, I'll 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 name it i'll call it working working group so we have a nico socialism working group a black people working group a women working group and stuff like that so uh recently in sao paulo um, they've created the technology and anti, I don't know if this word exists, anti-vigilantism. 
um, I don't know, just related to how we are always being under under the eye of the media. <laughs> I don't know the word. Yeah, no, yeah. The This is like kind of one of capitalism's new tricks, which is, uh, you know, we kind of, even when we're on social media in our free time, we're kind of working yeah. for them in a way producing all of these posts so that they can uh, sell our information to advertisers uh, and things like that, or your boss can watch you via social media and stuff like that. So that sounds like a really important working group. And I like this idea of kind of the debate and discussion being driven by the people most involved in the work and also most impacted uh, by it. And I think, I think that's a really important way to go about it because it kind of helps us avoid these sort of like academic debates or like debates or discussions that kind of get abstracted from what might be necessary or practical to discuss it might actually lead to conflicts that might not have even happened had you not had this sort of discussion based on you know our practice as socialists and and related to this i thought one thing that you said in your description of subverta is their commitment to kind of uh, going out uh, and kind of directly engaging uh, with working class people on their own terms. Um, and I think maybe this is a great place for us to start talking about uh, the collective candidacy uh, that goes by the name Bancada, Social Bancada Feminista do Pisol. Um, maybe you could start by just kind of explaining what a collective candidacy is and maybe also explain, you know, what Bancada Feminista means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm currently working as a counselor in Bancada Feminista do PSOL. Um, that was my first experience in a collective candidacy. And what is it? Um, it basically, um, instead of one person running for a vacancy, I can say that, vacancy? Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, for like a position, position. A elected position. Yeah. yeah, instead of one person running for a position, uh, it's a group of people and this doesn't exist, um, doesn't lawfully exist in Brazil. It's not um, by law. We need to have only one person registered for the candidacy. And if we are elected, only one person is officially acknowledged as, as the representative, the counselor, anyway. And... But we, the people that come together for, for this collective candidacy, they make a formal agreement to work collectively. So some people get confused because um, at, least, at least here in Brazil and in PSOL, some people say, well, in the left, we already try to work um, collectively. So what's... What's the real difference between that and another uh, traditional candidacy? And one thing that we focus on a lot is the personalism that collective candidacies help to avoid this messianic approach to politics, as if one person would save you from all your problems. So usually collective candidacies have a group of people they are diverse they have different profiles and which makes it easier to to go on 
a lot of issues at once, uh, we, we could say maybe. So while, while one person is doing something, the other is doing another. So I'll take Bancada Feminista as, an, as one example. Our official counselor by law, her name is Silvia, and her main topics are education, feminism, working rights. Um, so if the, um, the, the mandates, I can say, does that, does that exist? I mean, the, her position, I don't know, let's say, when we are elected, yeah. you have a... Yeah, you're the, you're the, yeah, their position. So I guess, yeah, when you have, yeah, when you're elected. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it is kind of confusing. Yeah, I guess we could say like when you're elected to office. When you hold office, ah, hold office. office is probably what we would say. Yeah, if she held the office, if Sylvia held the office alone by herself, um, she would focus on these three topics. Of course, she would talk about black people, about public um, security, safety, about trans people, about people living with HIV, about um, the environment. She could talk about all that, but she wouldn't have the same ownership that the other comrades in Bancada Feminista have on these subjects. So that's another important thing, I, I, I guess, about collective candidacies. And they, they are very... It's, there's not a, a formula to do that so if you study the um, the candidacies and elected people in in brazil you, you see many differences among them so some um have anti-capitalist activists along people they are affiliated affiliated to liberal um parties uh, it happens already um but um there there was one in the last elections that there were um three women from the housing movements so we the profile of them didn't differ that much it was much the neighborhoods where they lived so one people was from the north of sao paulo the another was from the south another from the east so there is not a formula and there's not a form formula when you are elected because some people are not hired for for example the the co-counselors uh, you can say they are not sometimes they are not hired by the parliament um it's really it's even more informal than already it is in our case for example we are hired as assistants but we don't organize we don't act or as assistants we act as counselors as well as sylvia so maybe i just kind of want to back mm -hmm. up a little bit and make sure i understand <laughs> yeah, this sure. which is so the collective candidacies what these are i guess they're not legally like they don't exist as a legal mm -hmm. thing. They kind of exist maybe in a gray area. Maybe that's a good way of describing it. They're not legally included in the state. They're not recognized. Yeah. This group of people isn't recognized as the counselor yeah. uh, of whoever gets elected, but they're also not banned as a thing. So you kind of have this kind of informal collective counselor, but only one person is allowed to speak 
like in in the in the legislative body is that right yeah. um okay and we're still not banned i mean not yet but there are some people that want to ban us um the there in the last elections there were candidacies of candidacies of from the right wing but it's really rare and the traditional rights they they understand it better i mean they they don't care that much they don't complain about it but this new right this alt right is more um i forgot the word but they <laughs> they make our lives more difficult and so in the first days when we were elected um, there is a counselor here in Sao Paulo that is a lawyer and so he he's one of those types that really just acts by the book and says it doesn't exist you are um uh, I don't know the word but I mean it, it made a hell of our lives and so there's this resistance because it's it's a new way of doing politics that it's much more um, it can be much more democratic and it shows people a new way to to participate in the politics and to be and to relate themselves with people they are in in these positions so usually these collective candidacies group some people they are marginalized in the society so by being together they have more strength they are stronger and this is really um i think the new right sees it as an attack and so we were trying as collective um, offices maybe we can say um, we are working together to because this this debate is being done in the Congress of Brazil so we're trying to make our situ situation the most regular and legal possible so that they don't find excuses to prevent us from from running like that and one interesting thing I think is that for example the name is a problem sometimes we in the um, in the polls when we're going to vote we some people like to register the name of the collective so in our case Bancada Feminista do Pessoal but we didn't do it we didn't even try it because we knew of cases where the um, the court would deny that would deny the name because they said that um, you would confuse the elector so the electorate so we our name was Silvia da bancada feminista uh, many, some people risk and and register the name of the collective and nothing happens but it's a risk because as the constitution says that uh, a position a political position is personal um, they may use this excuse for for us not to use our preferred name so we have these these challenges 
from because we are not officially recognized as one format in the political um, code law of Brazil. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the legal challenge aspect is, is really interesting, yeah, because you guys are kind of taking advantage of, tactically taking advantage of this sort of legal ambiguity. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I find most interesting about Bancada Feminista and this collective candidacy idea in general is that it's kind of taking, transforming Brazil's political system into its own hands. Um, it seems like this sort of candidacy like has an analysis that sees the way the government works now as something kind of fundamentally undemocratic in many ways and so tries to correct for that by making it more inclusive uh, and spreading out some of both the responsibilities but increasing the participation mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. Um, so one question I have about this is, I guess, kind of a nuts and bolts question, which is how did you guys go about selecting who is going to be kind of the co-counselors uh, within Bancada Feminista? And then another question is how do you guys, or how do you all make sure that you're following up on your own democratic principles mm-hmm. and ensuring and guaranteeing that it's not, you know, a slightly bigger uh, kind of messianic version uh, yeah. <laughs> rather than kind of the, the democratic sort of uh, thing that you guys hope to do. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, we we are from different organizations um, and collectives and social movements and these organizations, collectives and social movements, um, they, they already had a relationship. They already worked together um, within PESOL, so we have already, um, we are pretty much aligned politically, so it's not like the example I gave of anti-capitalist with capitalist people, it's kind of the opposite. Um, we we try to, and that's, that was one of our goals with this candidacy, uh, to to showcase what was our, our project for PESOL. So we work a lot within PESOL and that was one of the reasons. And we are from different profiles, so we kind of complete each other. So as I said, uh, I talked about Silvia, um, there's Paula, the, um, she's a lawyer, um, criminalist lawyer, and um, she so she works a lot on the public safety or security security I guess yeah, like public public safety public safety like uh, yeah public uh, she, so she works a lot on public safety on the black movement um, there is Carol Carolina Yara who is uh, an, inter, an intersex black trans woman uh, living with HIV and um, she was a, a health worker and she's a, she's a um, social scientist and yeah, I think that's pretty much about it. She, she, she's a lot of things. And there is Daphne who worked before the, the candidacy. She worked as an Uber driver and but she's a lawyer as well but she never worked um, um, officially as a lawyer 
and also much active in the feminist and eco-socialist movements. And while me, uh, I, my focus is also on eco-socialism, veganism, and I mean, as a black woman, I also bring a lot of this perspective to everything I do. And so it's, it's really different. We are different from each other. So that was one of the reasons to, to choose us. And that was really important what she said about not making the collective candidacy um, a, a bigger way of personalism that because it's only a format. So, for example, the, the right parties that tried these formats, for them, it's only a format that maybe it will make it easier for them to get elected. But we really want this to be um, a new format with a new content as well, a really democratic content. So um, since we are from social movements and other collectives, it's, it's already easier to not go drown ourselves in this personalism but also we have we, we've created some spaces like working groups as well uh, councils for where we uh, there are people from bancada feminista and they are represented uh, represent rep, i don't know representatives i don't know of the social movements people representing social movements so the, our proposals were created on meetings with these people. Um, the, all the bills that we are that we are doing are also based on this conversation with the with the movements, and we really want to make our this this position. Um, we want to use our position to um strengthen I, I don't know if i don't think strengthen is the best word but to give voice to people that are most marginalized in the society and and that and also about how we work um inside the office we also created um some it's not rules but some general agreements on how we would work to maintain our principles in the in this in this position that we that we are holding now what, this reminds me of my own experience in in electoral politics um, when I was living in Kansas City um, because we started a third party which was the Green Party in Kansas City and it presented a new opportunity for us like we prioritized recruiting people from social movements and also like participating actively in them to inform the platform that we created and stuff like that but even so even when we ran candidates um there was still kind of this gap uh between the social movements and the candidates because while they might be involved in one aspect of them um they might not also be involved in everything else so we might have someone running who is, you know, heavily involved in the prison abolition movement uh, and the abolition of the death penalty in the United States, uh, but maybe not necessarily, you know, in some ecological movements or, or other things. And so I really like this idea of the collective candidacy because 
it kind of further integrates the electoral organization into the social movements and kind of makes them more, I guess, directly responsive in some ways, but also more directly involves them in the non-electoral work as Mm -hmm. well. Because now everyone who is participating kind of within the official state as an elected representative is now directly tied to those movements. And I think one thing that we've been talking a lot about uh, within DSA and within the socialist left in general is is kind of related to this, which is how do we hold our candidates, uh, the people who we get elected or the people who uh, we support uh, in their electoral campaign uh, accountable to the social movements? And I think maybe this might be related to some of the general agreements that you were talking about earlier. So how is it that like Bancada Feminista is held accountable to these social movements that it emerged out of? Yeah, I think it's a similar answer, maybe, because um, we have many groups with these people, so um, we are not hidden. It's very easy to reach out reach out to us. So all the co-counselors are in these groups, and I mean... Mainly now, because of the pandemic, um, we talk about a lot about groups, right? But we we also always visiting the either the the social movements projects or the neighborhoods where people are not organized but they have their demands, and it's very difficult. It would be very difficult if we wanted to distance ourselves from from their demands and requirements, um, not a good word, requirements, but be, because we are surrounded by them, we are part of them. Um, so it's it would be really difficult. We have meetings, at least, I mean, depends on, on the subject, but we try to at least one time each three months have these meetings with these working groups, these councils that I mentioned. And for example, I am in the ecological council and we've had two or three meetings since the the beginning of our election. <laughs> and it's they really they always bring a lot more than what we were expecting. So we plan, so we make this meeting with them when we present our ideas and they come with many other ideas and many other perspectives. And if we don't take this into consideration for our project, they'll just give up. They, they'll leave this, this group and they'll go search for another um, counselor. There's, I think there's this this feeling that if we don't if we don't work together with the movements we'll just lose credibility and we'll be really just a, a farce just something uh, like a make-believe election and group so I don't know how I could how I could spl- explain it further, but when you're working in this way that you're always in context, I mean, 
we can't hide from them and we're always in their neighborhoods we we would have to be very fake people to to work behind them on their behind or something like that maybe that's easier to see in practice <laughs> I don't think I'm getting the right words to to convey. <laughs> no, this totally makes sense to me. It's it seems like, and this is kind of maybe some like similar politics between you know uh, Solidarity and Subverta and, and other members in Bancada Feminista, which is this notion that if we're going to build a socialist movement, um, it can only be done by the working class, and it has to come from below so it has to be uh, of the working class by the working class and initially it has to be democratic and, and inclusive and, and kind of in many different ways and if it's not coming out of the social movements if the, the people representing the social movements or the people who claim to be representing the social movements aren't coming out of them then then there is no real chance for accountability because they came from outside the social movements to begin with so I like I think you did an excellent job by saying because we're all people who've been heavily involved in these social movements, we have no choice but to be accountable because we've already dedicated so much of our lives as activists uh, to these social movements. And this is, you know, where our people are. So, of course, we're going to be accountable to them. And I think maybe this is a good spot for us to transition to talking about some of the important positions that PASAL or Bancada Feminista has been taking up uh, as part of their candidacy and as part of the way that they're representing these social movements. I think one one spot I think we might want to start with uh, is the feminist movement in Brazil. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that and, and the social movements uh, that are involved with Bancada Feminista, how they view the feminist movement. Yeah, the, fe the feminism movement has been growing a lot recently in Brazil the last few years. Um, we've seen a rise in 2018 because of Bolsonaro when it's the, the campaign was still happening and it was the feminist movements that they organized the biggest uh, demonstration against Bolsonaro. And for some people, that was the reason Bolsonaro was elected, that we, we brought attention to his name. But it's really, I mean, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it was really, actually was a way of showing the strength of feminism. And I, I think this rise is, of course, related to the cooptation of liberalism. So you have to be very conservative and very reactionary to not mention women's rights not even once maybe you don't like the word feminism but you try to act in a way that make you look like you defend women's rights so our our stance as, as bancada feminista and the movements that they are together with us is that we should build a popular feminism we've been using a lot a lot this term popular feminism because there are a lot there um, many things inside feminism so we could talk about Marxist Marxist feminist feminism about inter intersectionality about um, trans feminism 
and decolonial and, and many other types of feminism. So there are many types of feminism, but we we start our, our start point is that this feminism has to be popular. So maybe when we go to to visit people, um, maybe they don't really know what is feminism or they have a different view of what feminism is than we have. But these women, they, they want to be respected, they want to have lives, they want to, they want to live. So in the end, they, they also need these fights of feminism. And I think that that's one of our main struggles to not let people have a too liberal individual view of what feminism is. And we take pride in Bancada Feminista, we take pride on that because we, we made a campaign talking about these issues, about speaking about the working class women and there is, of course, there is a challenge because we defend polemic things such as abortion. Even trans women rights um, can be very um, hard to, for people to understand. And that's our challenge. To We are connected with the mass or try to be as much as we can. And we also don't hide what we defend and 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 we and we think that this popular feminism is one way of reaching this because then you can make see and make people see the connections between between these things that maybe um, looks scary for them and wrong for them, but are strictly related to their reality, like parenthood planning and such uh, and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe it was a bit confused, but I think that would that would no, be so, to start. Yeah. So this kind of notion of popular feminism, the idea is to try and connect issues that are typically the feminist issues like right to you know control over your body the right to uh, access to abortion um, the inclusion of uh, trans women in the women's movement and stuff like that and the protections uh, that they need and deserve to kind of the, the broader kind of working class concerns right uh, like um, gender equality in the workplace income inequality and things like that. And I think that's that's a really important contribution, I think, because, you know, without drawing the connections and understanding how everything is kind of this complex whole, like one thing with many parts that all, you know, play off of one another and build off of one another, it makes it, in some ways, even though you're kind of expanding the scale of what the feminist movement is and in incorporating it into all these other things, it kind of makes it more digestible because it kind of integrates it into your daily life uh, in, in a really direct way and you can kind of see its importance. So what are some of like the big kind of key issues, key feminist issues that Bancada Feminista has taken up? Currently we're trying to pass a bill that 
makes it easier for women who suffer from domestic violence to get housing and also um um how can i say that um a financial help for them to get housing so even either they they are either they can get um a vacancy in uh, in uh, housing of the the states or they get the the financial help to get um housing and and don't live with their how how do you call the men uh, the abuser the abuser so they don't they don't have, and so that that's a bill that we are currently trying to pass i actually have something like i think this issue of housing for women who are victims of domestic violence and abuse from their partner is actually like probably one of the most kind of important issues not the most important issue but among the most important issues in this kind of yeah. pandemic period like in the united states we've seen you know an increased rate of reporting uh, of, of violence against women in the household but it's also very difficult in a pandemic to to find housing especially if you've lost your income or something like that yeah. due to the pandemic um and so I, i i think this is a really fantastic demand because it kind of highlights so many different factors not only is it about you know housing justice but it connects housing justice to issues of the pandemic and also domestic violence and abuse and, and the way that our state and society isn't set up to uh, protect women yeah. in the way that they need to. Actually, our, our bill asks that this, this financial help is not, is not um, taken from them during the pan pandemic. So if there is a time where they need it, it's now. I mean, they need it the most. And this bill was part of um, my. I ran out of my English. <laughs> uh, we presented on March 8th, We presented five bills together, and called was an agenda for a popular feminism. I don't think if agenda in English would be the right word. In Portuguese, was agenda para o feminismo popular and. There was this bill, um, there was a bill to, to build supporting centers for families that are a victim of state violence. So this is really connected to the feminist movement, mainly the black feminist movement, because I suppose in U in US is it's similar. And because in Brazil, Uh, many young black men are killed by police and who fight for justice after their death is their mothers. So we have a strong movement of mothers here in Brazil um, that fight for justice because their children were killed by police. And so we had this bill as well and we had one to, um, to make... The, that in, in the um, facilities of the, not the state, but the, 
does mayor ship exist? I mean, the, the city of Sao Paulo. The facilities of the city of Sao Paulo recognize the gender identity of people even if they don't have it and they don't st still don't have a document registering that. There was also another to... So that the facilities also of the city of Sao Paulo bought more from the family agriculture and this is also related to feminism because many women work in the country um, the popular country movements and land movements are have a big influence from women as well so on, on march we tried to these this set of bills was one way of of showing what is our type of feminism that it's sometimes it's not obvious and it really goes to the structure yeah and i i think one of the interesting things that you brought up and i i think this is this is true of the feminist movement in general is that there's oftentimes conflict between um some aspects of the feminist movement and the inclusion of of women who are trans mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that you guys have incorporated this so thoroughly in both your kind of program or your agenda for the women's movement in Brazil, but also in the leadership of this organization in, in Bancada Feminista. So, so could you talk a little bit more about like kind of the importance of uh, trans inclusion uh, and kind of queer leadership within Bancada Feminista a little bit? Yes. In after this election from 2020. Many, many trans women were elected, most of them um, through PESOL, and most of them are black. And this is, uh, this is a strong symbol and a strong reference and so important because it's the black trans women that die the most. And when we're talking about trans people, we're really talking about life and death. It's something very raw, I think. I mean, from my experience with my comrades, um, it's really, it's a new re reality that people still don't really understand. And so that's why it's so important that they're getting this, this position for them to speak and be heard. Of course, sometimes people don't want to listen to them, but they're there with their how they want to dress, how they want to to be referred to, and including the non-binary peoples. For example, Carolina Yera, who is from Bancada, she's a um, She's a, a woman, she's not non-binary, but she's an intersex, intersex woman. And she always says, how is it important for the, the intersex movements that the non-binary language, for example, is recognized as something valuable? Because when you, when you are born, um, people want to fit you in, in a gender. So the language is strictly related to, to our reality. So if the fact that we don't accept non-binary language, the fact that we don't accept people who don't fit in this binary system. So it's things that 
even if we're from left, revolutionary, socialist, we may be very distant from that. If if we if we don't live with people that that may talk about their reality and uh, um, and we see, I, I think it's this is really important also for the mental health of trans people. That is one big issue. So in I don't know if it was in January or February. Um, it was the um, week for trans visibility. And in this week, the three trans, uh, black trans women and counselors of Sao Paulo um, suffered some type, of, some type of attack. Uh, it was a really heavy week. So in, in the um, chamber of São Paulo, we have Carolina Yara from Mercado Feminista do Pessoal. We have Samara Sochines, who is from the other collective group called Quilombo Periférico. And we have Erika Hilton, which is an individual... Um, she, she holds an individual office. That's it. And the three of them suffered some type of attack. Samara and Carolina had people going to the the front of their houses, and some. I think in in the case of Samara, the person shot for um towards um shot up. I mean, I don't know how to say that. And for Carolina, they. They used something that looked like it was a bullet as well, and it looked like they, some, there was someone shooting. So, um, and it was to intimidate. And in in the case of Erica Hilton as well, um, one person tried to invade her office in the Chamber of São Paulo. So it it all happened in the space of I think within seven days, something like that. It was it was very representative of how these black trans women reaching their position that they they, they reach they um, people are not okay with that are not comfortable with that with their existence um, in, in these three cases that I commented they didn't look like it was something organized like it was with Marielle for example but it was still a reflection of society that is still they still has a strong transphobia and so it's I don't know um, I think the, the main thing here is really that we need to be more and more surrounded by trans people queer people I think Angela Davis talked about that some time ago and made a fuss and she was right I mean I think there's something really revolutionary about queer people and their lives and their political positions and you really should step back and, and listen to them. Thanks for that amazing kind of overview of what of, of how queer people, especially trans people, are being incorporated and are important to the leadership of, of the socialist movement uh, in Brazil and Bancada Feminista. I think another thing that I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up was kind of the centrality of eco-socialism to the politics, not only of Subverda, but also Bancada Feminista, and sp especially since Bolsonaro's only uh, expanded the the clearing of the Amazon rainforest uh, and, and the global... Uh, uh, climate change uh, situation that's been ongoing for many decades, but is now only becoming increasingly severe. 
resulting in things like the pandemic and stuff like that. So I, I would love to hear how you guys think about eco-socialism and its importance to the socialist movement in general. Yeah, yeah we're living the worst moments for anyone who who fights for the environment in Brazil. The environment minister is Ricardo Salles and we we say he's an anti-minister because he's totally affiliated with the agribusiness and it's horrible. And I think all these facts that you brought up are we try to use this to really introduce the debate about eco-socialism. I think that's the time for the left and the radical left to to stop and really reevaluate the approach to the environment. It's what we see is that for some people it's still a secondary issue and it's still something that is we can leave for later. Um, we can think about food sovereignty later. Now people will need to eat and anything is good for them and one example but really so as eco-socialist and using the space we have in Bancada Feminista talk about eco-socialism uh, we really want to make people see that just liking the environment not wanting the climate change to happen will not change things and this um, and and we live in a pandemic that is the result of an ecological chaos so how why are we not talking more about the relationships between the pandemic and the way the way we treat animals they um i don't know if that's how it says high intensity 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 something <laughs> yeah the uh like highly concentrated animal populations yeah. and stuff like that yeah this and we we don't talk about that or, or how in an eco-socialist world we won't be able to eat all the meat we eat currently and it's not we're not saying that everyone will be vegan or vegetarian it's just not sustainable i mean there's this we created it so we need to start talking about this and it's okay if if these are new debates for people but we just can't see them as little or least important or something like oh it's these hippie left people we are serious about that i mean we we are doing a marxist um analysis and that's our conclusion that either either we go on a way that that builds on an eco-socialist society or we're going to we're going towards extinction and it's it's not only us they are saying that the scientists are saying that so i i, I don't even know if i deviated from your question but when i think about eco-socialism and what drives us inside bancada to do our work is this this sense of urgency and the need for us to start we are already late in these debates so we need to we need to start debating and, and start 
thinking of concrete alternatives to to the society we we have and just to conclude in bancada it's not everyone that is eco-socialist it's only daphne and i but we as a group we we are coherent with eco-socialism and the people they are not eco-socialist eco-socialists are open to the debate and respect the debate and I think that's the um, that's one of the most important things when if everyone respected the debate we would be in a um, much better position than we are now yeah I think one thing that you brought up which is this reduction in meat is something that's also kind of came up in the united states recently and kind of in the most funny way in some <laughs> ways so a scientific study came out that said oh yeah, you should probably like reduce the meat consumption and they had like some figure like ideally everyone would eat like four pounds of meat a month maximum or something like that and of course this was pitched as like something that president biden was advocating for which he wasn't <laughs> But every the response from the right was very bizarre. It was it went from it wasn't even like no that's wrong. It went to no I'm going to eat 20 <laughs> pounds of meat every day, which is and everyone was posting about it and every politician was like oh look at this gigantic really? steak I have on social media. Oh sorry, it was, so sorry, got curious. <laughs> it was it's so strange. The, the, this sort of like kind of I guess culture war response is what we yeah. call it in the U.S. But it is it is bizarre. I think I have a follow up question mm-hmm. though, which is you know what differentiates an eco socialist perspective from maybe like liberal environmentalist perspective in your mind? We um, of course we can build only eco-socialist movements so we work a lot with people they are from NGOs and other parties they are like the green liberal parties of Brazil so and we see how people are resistant to blaming putting the blame on capitalism it's something really strange because that's what scientists say. I mean, that the the way we um, we are organized in society is um, it's not sustainable. But people still think that we can have a sustainable capitalism. That's maybe the main difference. When we are um, building activities with these um, with these people from other parties and, and other groups, and we include the word capitalism, uh, capitalism is to blame and something like that, People say, um, I don't think it's the capitalism. I think it's the people. So they have a, an individualistic view on that. Like, um, yeah, we can have more sustainable formats of agriculture, of consumption within capitalism. They really believe in that. And that's the main difficulty when dealing with the the liberal environmentalists and also just seeing uh, how things connect for example people they are for the animal cause they defend the animal cause and there are many at least in brazil there are many politicians that defend the animal cause and are from the right it's 
dominated by the right actually the this animal calls politics and sometimes the person votes for them because no they they like animals but this person also um sponsors or supports the agribusiness who i mean that uh, destroys um or nature the they habit habitat i mean the the space where these animals live so it's also a very again very individualistic because you only see like the animals that live around you in the big city the domesticated animals but the wild animals no no that that's okay so that that's that's another thing we eco-socialism sees um that's why i talk about ecology because we see the whole we need to treat the whole we need to talk about the whole and the liberal environmentalists they they don't see the whole they they see parts they see the parts that they want to see unfortunately yeah i think you said something interesting when you brought up these kind of right-wing animal rights politicians and it is kind of interesting when you think about like this kind of liberal position uh, on environmentalism it does lay the blame on individual people and so it becomes very easy to single out groups of people and things like that that are failing to treat animals correctly and stuff like that right it becomes very easy to demonize poor exactly. people because they eat meat or you know because yeah. that's what they can afford or whatever exactly. And it, like similar, you know, we see similar things in the U.S. and I'm sure in Brazil as well. People concerned about overpopulation mm -hmm. and things like that. And so, again, you know, it seems very benign to have this sort of kind of liberal or individualistic perspective on things. But it gives rise to this idea like overpopulation. Well, we just some people are just having too many kids. And so it very quickly becomes very racist yeah. or even, you know, contra to the feminist movement. Right. Because, oh, well, exactly. we need to start sterilizing ex women and taking away certain reproductive rights from people, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I think this really demonstrates the importance of having this kind of ecological or eco-socialist or Marxist ecological perspective yes. uh, because it centers the necessity of collective action kind of social change that needs to happen rather than kind of identifying individual scapegoats uh, for problems and. I think another thing that come out uh, very interestingly in, in this conversation about kind of the policies and, and positions that Bancada Feminista has been putting out there is, again, kind of connects it back to the collective candidacy idea and, and tactics. You guys have this very comprehensive, holistic, and intersectional outlook. I, I can't see an organization or a candidacy that comes up with such a complete perspective or a perspective that doesn't have a sort of tunnel vision uh, without, at the very least, being embedded in a wide variety uh, of social movements. And I think what better way to do that than to draw multiple people involved in multiple different social movements into the process of, of class struggle uh, within the state. So, you know, I think this is a great place for us to kind of land the conversation. What Are there any things that you want to say or get out there uh, before we end this conversation? Because we still have some time to talk, but I want to make sure that we get everything in there. I think 
maybe I'd say that if you don't, if you're still not an eco-socialist in, or if you don't know much about it, I'd strongly recommend you to do it. I think, I mean, we are in the worst moments, we're living the worst moments of our lives in the last uh, maybe century or more. And we need to, we need to think ecologically, we need to think in a holistic way. And so consider knowing about eco-socialism and black feminist movement as well. And trans feminist movements as well things there are we as left still have much to advance on so it it makes a difference when we have these these people in the front of politics um here in brazil we saw the impact the marielle life and death had on politics um black women saw themselves there and got the courage the courage to to enter the politics as well because Marielle was such an inspiration so we really need to see the people around us the most marginalized people that are, are around us and have this big potential to change the world and to inspire other people to do the same um, I think we are in um good moments or at least moments that we need more people fighting for socialism and we need to make people say that you don't have to be special to to be an active activist to be in a political party in a political organization in a social movement you just need to if you want to change how things are organized currently in the world you surely have something to offer and i think this is also related to this this fight against personalism in politics and in the left. Um, it's not one person that uh, it's super special and stuff like that. Um, we really need to see the power within ourselves. As Fred Hampton said, you know, I, I, I recently watched his film. I, I liked it. <laughs> and I think I think it would be pretty much about that. Um, and really thank. And solidarity and everyone listening to the episode. Um, I don't know if I could already mention the um, social media. You just read my mind. I was about to ask, what's mm -hmm. what's some of the best ways that comrades in the U.S. can keep up with Subverta and uh, Bancada Feminista? Yes. Um. So our website of Subverta is called. Um, well, subverta.org, so S-U-B-V-E-R-T-A.org. And we are in social media. We, we can find us by subvertamos, which is S-U-B-V-E-R-T-A-M-O-S. And Bancada Feminista, we are Bancada Feminista Pessoal in all social media and the website as well. Um, bancada Feminista Pessoal.com.br and Bancada Feminista Pessoal in social media. It's, it's a lot of words to, to spell, 
So I'll guess don't... they'll they'll put in the description. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry. Yeah. Thanks so much again for joining us, Natalia. I learned a lot from you. You're a fantastic guest, and and hopefully we'll hear from you and your comrades again. Uh very soon. If you liked what you heard on today's episode and want to find out more about Solidarity, check out our website at www.solidarity-us.org. You can also find us on Twitter at SolidarityUS, on Instagram at Solidarity1986, or on Facebook at www.facebook.com SolidarityUS. I'd also encourage Uh, you to check out our comrades at the Socialist Journal Against the Current on their website, www.againstthecurrent.org. You can also follow them on Twitter at ATC underscore mag and on Instagram at ATC.mag. Special thanks to our producer, James, for his work on the music that you heard in the intro. Check out his latest beat tape, Boptimism of the Will, on one of the big streaming platforms. Thanks again for listening, comrades. Until next time, solidarity forever.